Hey guys, this is Ashley and Amanda and together you might know us as a Shanda, but right now you're listening to Allegedly. So this is episode one. This is the very first. Is it drop the mic? No, that's usually like the encore, isn't it? I have never I drop the mic. I don't know what that is. Oh, all right. Well, that's not what this is. This is our very first episode, um, which is a little terrifying. I'm a little... It's a little nerve-wracking. It really is. Um, so if things sound weird, I mean, we are literally sitting in my kitchenette across from each other with a laptop and my tablet and just hope for the best here. Um, we do not have microphones, so if nope. you can hear us like enunciating our P's and whatnot, we're very sorry. Um, and any background noise that you can hear, I also apologize. Um, and if our voices sound funny, I'm getting over having a cold. Ashley's getting over COVID. Yeah, it's been a week. It's been a very rough week. It's only the beginning of May, and I feel like our May, we're over it yeah, already. I'm over it. Um, but it's Mother's Day. And yeah. we have no children with us right now. I, <laughs> <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. Oh, we love you guys. Get out of here. <laughs> we have things to do. Um, that's not really how it went. We, I mean, we're recording. It's, it's yeah. dark outside, so children should be in bed anyway. Right. Um... What we really wanted to, before we get into the podcast, we wanted to um, take a moment and send our thoughts and prayers um, to Britt from Crime Junkie. Um, I don't know if you guys listen to them, but that is how Amanda and I got got started listening to, well, I mean, mine was podcasts at all. Once I figured out podcasts, I was like, well, I got to find the ones about murder. Yeah, of course. And, and I didn't know about podcasts until you were like, oh my God. Yeah. Crime junkie, and then I was hooked. Yeah, I so. mean, I listen to an array of ones now. Um, Same, but that know. was my very first one. I mean, I have top favorites, and Crime Junkie and Morbid are right up there. So once we heard that, um, we're not gonna put out any details. You could go over to um, the Crime Junkie podcast, and they have a little bit of information about what Brit is going through. Yeah. Um, but our thoughts and prayers are sent out to Britt and her family, as well as the Crime Junkie family, you know, Ashley Flowers, and, um, you know, we, we really, we're really here for you guys, you know, we yeah. are sending up thoughts and prayers every day, and we really just hope and kind of know that Britt will pull through, you know, um, I can't it, even imagine, I just, I just hope everything works out. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I know it's, it's scary and rough at the moment, but, um, I, I have some faith that Brett will pull through this and yeah. sounds like she's doing well. So that's amazing. Um, but let's go ahead and jump into what we're going to talk about today. We are going to be talking about Ira Einhorn. <clears throat> um, I'm not going to tell you what my sources are. Uh, I will be putting them in my notes on the show notes um, because, you know, you got to cite everything. Yep. Um, we don't want to get... 
We don't want to get, um, what's the word? Sued. That's the word. I was going to say attacked, so good thing you thought of the word sued. Attacked. Yeah. We don't want want Ira coming after us. Um, alright. I will say this, though. For this episode, we used... I say we. You don't even know. I know nothing about Ira. You know nothing about Ira. That is how we decided we're going to do this. So, the next episode, Amanda is going to present who she is researching. Um, but we don't know anything about the other person, um, because we just want that genuine surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Element of surprise and genuine reaction. So she doesn't know. But anyway, um, I used a plethora of sources. Well, that's good. A lot. Um, we do have an Instagram as well. Yes. We will be putting that information out, uh, probably in the show notes. Um, I will also put the sources on there as well when we put up photos of this lovely, lovely human. I'm doing air <laughs> quotes for those of you who don't know. Um, so when I googled Ira Einhorn, a a video came up, and it's called Mugshots. Huh. And it, it's I I guess you can find it on Tubi. Oh, yeah, I have that. Okay, I don't have Tubi. But I can tell you that all of the episodes are on YouTube. Oh, okay. You know, because people pirate things. Yeah. Um, but I did find it, and I did watch it about Ira. Um, 45 minutes and three seconds later, I had the entire story of him. About Ira Einhorn and Holly Maddox. But... Because you know me, Amanda. Yeah. Um, I watched that episode at least five times. Oh, my. Um, one of those times, I actually went minute by minute and took notes. Okay. Because I'm like, I don't want to miss a thing. And I want to have everybody's names. And I need to know all of these characters. Yeah. And here I am saying characters because that's the author in me coming out. All of the players, all of the people, I just need to know who everybody is and how they're all kind of related. Um, so I had to sit here and just almost like a family tree for these people. Um, but Ira, Ira's a fascinating man. In a good way or a bad way? Gotta be a bad way if we're doing a true crime podcast of him. I feel sick saying that about him. Oh, okay. I got you. Um, but that's what everybody said about him. That he was a fascinating man. He's not a looker. No? No. Do we have any pictures we can put on we do. Instagram? We do. Oh. <clears throat> they said he was charming and smelly and captivating. And at one point, the Washington Post stated he had a gift for talking businessmen out of their money and attractive women out of their bell bottoms. I don't know what to do with that. Did you catch that? I said smelly. <laughs> how, how, is that attractive? In what era? What, when we're, was this man we alive? Are, we are in the 70s. Okay, so was Is about that... when the crime was committed. Um, so, I mean. People were deodorant then? I don't know. I, he did not. I don't, he did not. He went El Natural. Yeah. Uh, so he seemed to have this air about him that despite the stench that came from him, he could draw you in. 
And once you got past wanting to gag, choke, or vomit at the putrid stink that reeked from him, you were mesmerized by his words. Almost to the point of being hypnotized. Literally. And that is what happened with everybody. Everybody. He was so disgustingly smelly, but he could captivate people. I don't know how that happens because I don't know anybody like that. This almost makes me wish that I was alive then to witness this because it just... It doesn't say the word stench, right. it just doesn't... I mean, like I said, I don't know anybody like that me right either. now that I could think that no. I'd want to Mm-mm. talk to them. No. Um, okay, so Ira Samuel Einhorn, which let me give, that is a hell of a name. Have you ever heard of anybody named Ira? I don't know anybody named Ira. No. Um, and Einhorn. I know Einhorn and Finkel. I don't know what from, that is. From um, Ace Ventura. Oh, okay. That's not the same. No, it's not um, the same. So, he had a nickname. His nickname was The Unicorn. His supporters called him that. That's interesting. Where'd they get that at? Um, Einhorn means one horn in German. Oh, okay. Okay. He was born on May 15th, which, oh, look at that. His birthday will be coming up Jeez. shortly. Uh, May 15th, 1940 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Aha. Into a middle-class Jewish family, mm. and he was the oldest of two sons. Okay. His mother said that they were a typical Jewish family. I'm not Jewish, so I don't. Know I have what that no means. idea what that means. I don't know what that means. I don't know what a typical Jewish family is. I have I have no idea where to go from there. I mean, I guess it sounds sounds great. I guess that just means normal, right? They were a normal family. Um... They were close and they loved each other as any other normal family. Ira was said to be his mother's pearl. So she must have like just doted on him. You know what I mean? Compared to the other son, I guess. I mean, I've never called my son my pearl. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. Just like her favorite in in other words? I don't think you're supposed to have favorites. But. Sounds like maybe he was. Uh, but he was bullied in school. Why? Did it ever say why? It just it just did. that he was bullied. I'm assuming, like, after they told me a few things, I'm assuming he was probably, like, really skinny and just... Kids will be kids. Awkward. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, he went away to a summer camp one year. And he did what his friend Ted says was about a thousand push-ups a day. And grew into a monster. So I'm assuming he was super skinny. Um, He gained about four inches of a muscular chest. Wow. I feel like that's a lot for a summer. Yeah. Well, no people never messed with him again. So. Well, okay then. My answer is that. So after graduating high school, he went on to attend the University of Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, now, for those of you who don't know, like, I'm going to say a lot of these things and hope that Amanda knows what I'm talking about because Amanda's from Pennsylvania. Yes, I am. Um, I, we're, we're from New York. We're, we're in New York. We, we reside in New York currently. Right. Amanda grew up in Pennsylvania. I grew up in New York. Um, and I grew up under a rock. 
I feel like I did too. So I don't know much of Pennsylvania. I don't know much of New York, so. Um, but at the University of Pennsylvania, he started giving lectures at the student unions. About what? Um, Ira was very big into nonviolence, against war. Wait, he was against nonviolence, but he murdered Let's, people? I, I don't know if he murdered people, but he's not a great guy. Oh, jeez. This sounds like... But he's, he's very into nonviolence, and he did not like war at all. He was just that kind of So, was person. he like a hippie? Yes. Okay, okay. He was exactly like that. But when you say his name, I picture him in, like, a suit and well-dressed and his hair slicked back. No. But I guess he was more along the lines of freeing, hippie, <clears throat> Remember, he's smelly. Okay. He wasn't a nicely dressed smelly guy. Okay, so yeah, I guess, I guess. He did have long hair. He did have long hair. It was hair. straggly. Um, and pulled back into semi of some sort of rat nest ponytail from pictures I saw. Interesting. <clears throat> Uh, so, another childhood friend of his, Stuart Samuels, said, you could not miss Ira because of the way he looked and the way he smelled. Again. The smell. Like, I... Is it that bad that people keep talking about yeah, it? it must be. I was just thinking that. For people to repeatedly mention that? So, it is said that he had such horrible body odor. Despite the fact that he spent two to three hours every day bathing. His body and everything about his body was clean. Like, very clean. But he never cleaned his clothes. It is said that he cloaked himself in the scent of his dirty clothes. Because that was his persona. It was to shock people. That's what Ira liked. Shocking people. He did it to get noticed. The attention. In such an unusual way. You know way. what, though? They, they said he's captivating. So if somebody's like, oh, what is that smell? And then they realize it's coming from you. And then you charm them. That's with weird. your words. I feel I, like that's a very weird approach. I feel like that's magical powers. It's a weird approach, but it worked for him. I so I guess why stop imagine. if it works? Mm-hmm. Um, so in 1961, he graduated with a degree in English. Hmm. We're just gonna... We're just, we'll just continue. Okay. He used his degree to become a teacher at a few places, one of which was Harvard. Oh my gosh. <laughs> He was so charming and intelligent, but granted, I mean, let me just, Harvard, Harvard is a good school. Yeah. I I assume you have to be a little bit smart in order to work there. I would imagine. He was said to have famous friends. One being Jerry Garcia. Do you know who that is? I want to say yes, I do, but I can't picture her face. Uh, He's from the Grateful Dead. Does that mean anything to you? Yeah, the bears. The bear, the okay. different color bears, yes. Yes, the, the band, yes. Okay, so yeah. he had famous friends. Okay. Although he was smelly, people loved him, he was captivating. Intriguing. Okay, let's move away from him for right now. 
Oh, okay. Let's move on to Holly Maddox. And who her is she? Her real name is Helen. She went by Holly. Uh, she was born on May 26th, 1947, so seven years after him. Oh, okay. Quite the difference. All the way in Tyler, Texas. Not anywhere near Pennsylvania. Right. Okay. Uh, her parents were Elizabeth and Fred. Uh, she was the oldest of five children. Whoa. She's said to be a beautiful blonde with mesmerizing elegance. And let me tell you, she was so pretty. She had this really nice long hair. She was gorgeous. So how did they meet? We'll get to it. Oh, okay. I'm joking. Uh, she, yeah. She was able to turn heads with her natural beauty, but she was also said not to be vain. She was oh, not okay. Very humble? Those, yeah. Okay. She was not one of those girls. Um, so to speak to Holly, uh, besides being beautiful, she excelled at school. She excelled at dance. Mm. She made cheerleading squad. And she was voted most likely to succeed. So great girl right there yeah a little she's bit got of it everything. all lined up yeah so granted that those are amazing i when you were in high school did you get voted anything i was not voted there anything. was like 400 kids in the graduating class no they didn't oh get no i didn't have anywhere near that yeah no they didn't get no. i didn't i wasn't voted anything um i also did not excel i didn't either i had to work anything. my butt off to get i did do cheer I did field hockey. I didn't, I didn't, that wasn't excelling at it or anything. Yeah. Um, I didn't move too far past peewee cheerleading. <laughs> Wait, the, the high school girls were mean. <laughs> girls in general are very mean. Yeah, uh, the peewee cheerleader girls were mean. There was a girl on my peewee cheerleading team who, I'm sorry if she's listening. I can't remember her name offhand, so that's probably okay. She had, what are those things where the hair comes down to widow's peak. Oh, she had a widow's peak halfway down to her nose. You know, but we both like the same. A widow's player. peak is um, a sign of beauty. That's what she looked like. She was from the Adams family. Oh my god, I love the Adams family. Okay, well, she terrified the crap out of me. <laughs> she was super popular, super mean, and we both liked the same boy. Oh, that's recipe for six i mean disaster his name was billy joe <laughs> are you lying are you no lying? i'm not kidding hmm? so glad that that was billy billy joe i can't remember his last name though right offhand i'm getting too old to remember things too far. me too me too so all right um so however high school wasn't great for holly huh why? Her sisters recall that she had a hard time dating. But she was so beautiful. Yeah. According to her sister, Buffy, which is also not her real name. Okay. <laughs> they all like to seem to like use like middle names. Why or give them a names. name if they go by something else? I don't know. At one point, my son liked to call himself Broccoli Boy and my daughter named herself Leroy or Microwave. So <laughs> I don't know. She's going to kill me. That sucks. Um, maybe the next podcast can be about me and how my daughter murdered me for letting you guys know in the very first podcast. All right. Tell us about Buffy. In the 50s, women were supposed to be either beautiful or smart, but not both. Oh, so it was like. And she was both. both. And so guys weren't very attracted to that, which I think is very odd. 
Yeah. You would think it'd be a complete package situation. Yes. No, they weren't having that. <laughs> but maybe also in the 1950s, they'd prefer beautiful and not smart because they, maybe in that time, they wanted yeah, to I be agree. I think smarter I think than them. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's said that her family was firm with rules and curfews. Strict. Um, her younger sister, Meg, uh, said Holly had a way of charming her parents. Daddy would melt for Holly. Hmm. He would voice he 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 would voice some approval, if you will. Hmm. Um. So being a teenage girl, once before. Right. I know I tried to charm my parents or parent into bending or extending rules or curfews. Have you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Being a mother now of a teenage girl, I'm totally experiencing that. Um, it's hard. Yeah, it's not I, easy. I, um, teenage my, girls suck. My girls aren't teenagers yet. Yeah, yeah. So. And you've got two of them, so good. Good luck. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Take notes while you can. So, okay, the town of Tyler, Texas, was more conservative. Her family fell in line with that traditionally culturally possibly politically um and holly was feeling stifled by all of that and so she rebelled against it um after graduation she left texas to attend i don't think i know how i'm gonna say this right brinemoir college sure sounds good to me never heard of it brinemoir pennsylvania that's brinemoir what is it? Bryn Mawr? How's it spelled? <laughs> Do you know what a Bryn Mawr is? I've heard of the town, Bryn Mawr. Oh, well, then that's got to be it. <laughs> what was I saying? Uh, how's it spelled? B-R-Y-N space M-A-W-R. Yeah, Bryn Mawr. What Bryn- was I saying that you I... had no idea what it was? <laughs> I'm so sorry for the people from no, that's the Bryn Marians. Yeah, that's Bryn Mawr. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm sorry about that. It's about a half hour west of Philly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, she also graduated in 1971 with a degree in English. Oh, both in English. Okay. <clears throat> All yep. right. That's about, I think that's exactly 10 years from when he died. Um, she floated around doing odd jobs. I could not find what she was doing. Okay. Uh, but she was not settling. She could not figure out what she wanted to do. Which is so weird because with how smart she is, you would think that she was able to teach at Harvard. Right. Um, so the fact that Ira, and his last name is Einhorn, um, and that his supporters called him the unicorn, is not just ironic or completely fitting. So we all know that unicorns are fictitious. Right? Are Doesn't they? I guess that really depends on who you ask. Isn't there a country who that's their their state animal? Or their am- not their state animal. I think They're, it's isn't it like the Netherlands or something? You know, I wouldn't be surprised. It's one of those countries that's their animal. But yeah, you're right. It depends on who you their ask. Animal. I'm gonna go for right now and say they are fictitious. Um so the story of a unicorn is that it has like two personalities. 
I did not know this. I did not know that. I just thought they were just like lovely creatures. Yeah, who with a horn. Farted glitter, you know. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. Yep. Apparently not. Um. So on one hand, the unicorn is a mythical, mystical, gentle creature, right? The one that you're probably picturing. Yeah. But what's the, the other sprinkles. side? Um. It's savage and violent when the circumstances are right. I I never heard that I'm before. Gonna, I kind of I don't know if I want to YouTube that or not. Oh, that would be terrifying. Yeah, I don't mm. know. Well, that could not be more of a crystal clear representation of Ira. Of Ira, the unicorn. So Ted Fink was his childhood friend, right? Mm-hmm. Said that. Um, he came out of an ordinary existence to accomplish something and ruined it. <laughs> so he set out to do something great and then just... He overshot it. effed all of it up. Dang, <laughs> Ira. I think we can all... I think at some point in everybody's life, we always try to succeed in something and then we mess it up somehow. Yeah. One way or another. I think that's the human way. Yeah. Yeah, I know as parents, we, yeah. we sometimes think that. I feel like you've called me plenty of times over the last few weeks. Yeah. Just thinking you've effed up parenting. Yeah. In I general with your I, son. I, my son, I'm failing. I'm failing. <laughs> I don't know what that, I don't know what that is. Um, so Ira became the face of a hippie in Philly. He was the leader of the counterculture movement. Say that five times fast. Girl. We, before we even did this. I know. You we were practicing. I couldn't even say the name of our show. <laughs> so true. She couldn't. I couldn't even say the name of Crime Junkie. It was... What crime was it? Jumpy. Crime Jumpy. Jump those crimes. <laughs> that's like a weird... That's like a weird game of um, Leapfrog. Leap Crime. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I have to keep taking sips because... Getting over the colon. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so he openly spoke out against, like what we said, war, violence. He found all of that unjustifiable. Um, so they nicknamed him the hippie guru. I don't know how I feel about the word guru. I, I know. I, it I sounds same. very weird. Weird. Same. But whatever. That's what they nicknamed him. So, um, yeah. Ira was filled to the brim with everything that I do not understand. Politically. I mean, I know nothing politically. Me either. Let me tell you, my boyfriend James talks about politics all the time. And I'm just like... Okay. He said something about AOC today. What's that? That's a person. AOC? Yeah, it's just her initials. I don't know what they are now. I don't know who that is. I was like, what's, he kept saying AOC, okay, what is that? And he says the name, and I'm like, why are, it, it's, it's a crazy name, like, and I think that's why they just call her AOC, but. Yeah, I know nothing about politics either, and I don't really care to know anything about politics either. Me either, so you can imagine how fun it was to research this. I, did you, you didn't even bat an eye when I said counterculture movement. Yeah, because I don't know what that is. You just I, went along with it. I just, thought, I just thought it was a cool name for the group that he wanted to. She's like, I know what a hippie is. I know what that is. Oh, God. <laughs> um, like so, I said, I live under, I grew up under a rock. 
<laughs> yeah, so a lot of politics and government language. Yeah, I don't get researching this sucked. Um, but on the other side, peace, love, and happiness. Okay, I like those things. That's pretty much what he was. Politics, peace, love, happiness. Alrighty. Ira became the middleman, so to speak, between the establishment and the counterculture. I know. Once government we get terms, like we have, political Once terms? we get through this, it's... It, I know. Just hold on with okay. me. Okay. I'm hang- hanging on. Hanging on. Um, So I don't know what the establishment is. Same. Not a clue. Same. At that point, it could be a restaurant to me. Apparently, it's just the man. The, the government. Oh, okay. The man. Them. I've never called them the establishment. Never. I called them the government. I didn't read too far into it because when I started Googling it, things came up on NPR. Do you know what NPR is? Yes, I... It's very political. Yeah. As soon as it brought that up, I was like, ah, crap, here we go. It was all over. I did not want anything else to do with it. I would have been the same. Um, So, okay. Einhorn is credited with bringing the age of Aquarius to Philadelphia. Are you going to tell us what Age of Aquarius is? Because I kind of don't know what that is. Well, you know what an Aquarius is, right? Yeah, that's an astrological sign. Okay. Well, it does sign. have stuff. A what? It's a water sign. Right. So it has something to do with that. Oh, okay. Um. So according to medium.com, the Age of Aquarius, say Aquarius? it five times fast, the Age of Aquarius is a phrase used by astrologers to describe the current time period. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So the phrase is derived from the belief that between the years of now and 2050, the earth will experience a new age where human consciousness will evolve into a higher understanding of truth and reality. If he says so. Does that make all the sense in the world to you? Nope. Okay. He's also uh, credited with organizing the city's first be-in in 1967. I have no idea what that means. I don't know what that is. I tried to Google the life out of what a bee-in is. No clue. To me, it almost sounds like a strike, but I have no idea. Could not tell you. Googled all I could out of that. Not an idea. Hey, if anybody knows, Please get at us. Yeah. yeah, we're going to put up our email address and our Instagram. Um, let us know because yeah. I have no idea. Um, as well as a smoking. Earth Day and Sunday. Not like what Mother's Day falls on Sunday. But like, like sun. sun okay. That just, you know, it just sounds like a lot of hippie stuff to me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, thanks to this case, um, I happened to get that question right on Trivia Crack. <laughs> this is not an ad. You did not just pop into an ad for Trivia Crack. No, no you didn't. Amanda and I play Trivia Crack, and I'm god-awful at it. I kind of agree with that. Stop. But, Amanda, what year was the first Earth Day celebrated? 1969. No. Am I close? Yes. 1970. Yes. <laughs> Keep that in your back pocket for when you're asked on Trivia Crack. Alrighty. Um... So in 1970, 
Ira attended Philadelphia's first Earth Day observations, uh, which is in April. So it was actually last month. And I thought, how cool would it have been if we had started on Earth Day to have this podcast drop? Oh, yeah. But instead, we're dropping on Friday the 13th because we're awesome like that. Yeah, yeah. It's my favorite day. So. Um, so there's a famous photo of him, actually. Um, standing at the podium speaking hmm. to tons, tons and tons of people. Um, and so because of this photo, he was kind of credited with co-founding Earth Day. Really? Yeah. He, they're like, oh, he must be a co-founder. He's looking at him up there speaking for a long time. He's got to be one of them. The fact is. He really wasn't. He did not co-find anything. He's a charmer. He probably made people think that he did. Right. According to the, according to two of the actual organizers for the event, Edward W. Fura and Austin S. Libritch. I'm so sorry if I just butchered those, but they wrote to Time Magazine and explained what was going on in this photo. Um, Do you have your phone? I do. Okay, quickly just Google it. Um, Just like Ira Einhorn Earth Day photo or something like that. Um, It's actually a well-known photo for Earth Day. Uh, It's black and white. looks really cool. Is it this one? That's the one. That's Ira right there. Look at him. He's actually in a suit. That's probably what you were picturing. That's what I pictured. Yeah, no, he doesn't look like that all the time. Oh my. If it you, is. It, you guys should look it up because that we'll is, post it. Yeah, that is one of the photos that I will post because a lot of people know about that photo. Um, but if you just also Google Ira Einhorn, just take a gander while I'm telling you the story. You can kind of get an idea of what he looked like. Um, so they explained to Time Magazine, he was not the founder of Earth Day. And there's no meaningful link between the two. They said he was not even a member of the committee of 33 men and women who did organize the event. Oh my God, then how did he get mixed up in that? The famous photo was taken during a one hour time period when Einhorn literally occupied the podium for the entire hour, refusing to get off the stage. Wait, let me get this straight. So he wasn't even there to speak. He just went up there and refused to move. That's what it sounds like was to me. Taken. That's right. Um, actually, it delayed Senator Edmund Muskie's keynote speech. Oh, my gosh. Um, they call it an unsuccessful attempt to seize 15 minutes of fame. I mean, 15 minutes he went an hour. four rounds without. Yeah. But mind you, he was captivating and whatnot, and everybody was listening to him, so he's actually said to be a co-founder. He's not. Um, and, you know, 15 minutes of fame, he decided in 1971 he was going to run for mayor of Philadelphia mm. in the Democratic Party on the planetary transformation ticket. I didn't even know there was a planetary transformation ticket. What is that? What's a t- what is that? Has to do with plants. <laughs> you know, you know, a very hippie ticket. A planetarium is like planets. Planetary, plan, planetary transformation ticket. I can't 
can't tell you. I just know what I vote. I know... I know what the Democratic Party is. I know what the Republican Party is. And I know what the Independent Party is. I, I know what their conservatives are. And the liberals are. But... Um, <clears throat> Oh, okay. He yeah. got 965 votes. Is that good? I mean... It's better than none. I don't, I don't know how many votes I would get for trying to become mayor. I would assume that anything past a handful would be good. Did he win? No. Oh, okay. Um, in 1973, he testified before Congress in support of space exploration. Okay. Um, his tem- his testimony was that of a uh, poem. Did he write said poem? He he did. Do you have Do you have it? I don't. Dang it! I could not find this poem anywhere. You know how I am with poetry. I know. I was like, oh my god, I need to hear this. Yes. He's an English major. I could not find it anywhere. I even searched. I'm not gonna lie to you. I even searched the 1973 NASA. Authorization hearing notes. I could not no find way. the actual poem in there. Mm-mm. Oh my gosh. I did see where they like said, you know, Ira Einhorn's here to talk or whatever. And some back and forth. But if there was a poem in there, it did yeah. not make anything oh, any sense to me. So in 1974, Double Day, Anchor published Einhorn's one and only book. Oh, he has a book. He's a published author. I really wish I could tell you what he wanted to title the book, but didn't. But for the life of me, I could not find that. So if anybody can find that, I have searched high and low a few times. But there was a title for this book that he wanted to name it. And then he backed out of that name only to name it. You ready? This is going to be good. 78-187-888. Zero. Is that like the Dewey Decibel <laughs> number or where to find it in the library? It's the title of the Library of Congress number that it was given. That's what he titled his book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like he failed on that one. I don't know who does that. Ira. That's the craziest. And so this is an actual book. You can actually order it on like Amazon. No, thank you. I'm not going to do that. Um, I could not seem to find out what it was actually about. No idea. Of course, it, if anything, it probably had to do with like... Politics counter, and... Yeah, counterculture, yeah. new age hippie stuff, which I would not be... Doesn't interest me. For a few reasons, I don't want this book. One, I find that it's probably going to be boring to me. And two, I would... I'm not going to understand it. I, I don't want to support Ira. Ira. Right. Um... So, I'm not going to lie. Um, all of that politics stuff um, took everything out of me. I almost decided not to do this case. Yeah. I can see you doing that because politics... I was getting don't. so aggravated. Just don't go hand in hand. I was yeah. so over it. But he's... I mean, just out of that stuff alone, he's interesting. It's fascinating. That's a lot of fascinating yeah. stuff. Um, so... I don't do well with politics, so I call James. Um, and he can talk people dead about politics. I, he could just go on and on forever about it. I cannot. 
Um, I was complaining to him. I was complaining to him immensely about this. Just, I told him I was done. I did not want to do this. Um, and he laughed. Of course. Knowing that I was having a hard time handling it. So when I say that I had to read an article about Ira, I had to Google definitions of political words and phrases. Just so you could understand what you were researching. And sometimes I yeah. even had to, like, dumb it down even more. Yeah. It's I would so, have had to do that as well. It's so bad. But, like, counterculture and things like... I don't know what that means. No, I still don't know what that means. I don't. Y'all can Google it later because I have... I have no idea. Um, my... You know what the problem is? My brain rejects it. Same. Same. Just... Nope. It's it. It does the same thing with superheroes, but okay. Well, mine doesn't do that. Okay, well, mine. That's does. an episode for Shanda. <clears throat> so after all that, let's get into the meat of the murder. Yes, also known as my happy place. I know, I know. Um, so there's no easy way to put this, but the violence that he seemed to be so clearly against deep down was actually who he was. <gasps> yeah. Ira was a classic hypocrite, and maybe, on some level, someone would also call him uh, a narcissist, which is a big term nowadays. Yeah. Um, he was filled with egotism and sexual rage, which all just sounds something I don't want to deal with, any of that. That sounds like a recipe for disaster. I think that is for anybody. Okay, so it is said that he treated women as though they were accessories and not people. Which is disgusting. Disgusting. And women just let him do that? Remember, he's trimming. I so, don't understand how the two go hand in hand. You've, you've met certain people in my yeah, life. Yeah, that's gross. I don't have any other words for that. <laughs> that's but that's what I picture. Yeah, exactly. Do you know exactly. what I mean? Yeah, that's yeah. what I come back to. Yeah. So, um, we'll have to have a little discussion. We will after this. Um, but okay. So it is also said that Ira demanded sex at any given moment from whatever current girlfriend he had at the time. Demanded. However, the same did not go for her. She could not demand sex it was only on you know his, his terms. time his terms his time which i can also relate to that yeah yeah so in 1962 he almost strangled a bennington student rita resnick yeah was he having relations with this mm -hmm. girl okay yeah. mm -hmm. he later wrote about it in a notebook because you know english major Let's write it down like a female. To beat a woman, what joy. That's what he wrote. That's, that's what he wrote. And to that, I say, Ira, you're a piece of shit. That's what I have to say about that. I can also relate to that. Piece of shit. To beat a woman, what joy. What? Who says? Who's let alone write it down? 
Oh yeah, he, he put it in his little diary. He also wrote, to kill what you love when you can't have it. Seems to me so natural that strangling last night seemed so right. Insanity, thank goodness, is only temporary. Come again? Yeah. He's, he's crazy. Freaking nuts. When he can't have the girl, he that's a sexual rage. Mm-hmm. He he thinks everybody wants him. He thinks that he should just be God's gift to the world. Mm-hmm. He feels like all these girls should just be like flaunting and doing what he says. And when they say no, the unicorn changes. In 1966, so four years later, he almost killed an ex-girlfriend, Judith Sabbat, who broke up with him. He tried to kill her by bashing her head with a Coke bottle and strangling her. Bashing her head with a Coke bottle. Because she broke up with him. Yes, are these women reporting this stuff to the police? Is that how we have this information? Um, I'm going to go ahead with no. Okay, so like... I'm going to go ahead and assume that this all came out later in the trial. Later. Gotcha. Um, no worries. He later wrote about this incident as well. Oh, I believe it. But this time in okay. poetry form. Because Mr. Wordsmith here. He actually titled it too. Oh my god. Numbers? An act of violence. How fitting. Part of it reads, suddenly it happens. Bottle in hand, I strike away at the head. In such violence, there may be freedom. Freedom for who, you jackass? What are you talking about? In his mind, what does he think that means? He's Listen, in his mind, this is all totally kosher. Peace, love, and harmony no, from the hippie guru. This this is complete opposite, buddy. So later in court, later in court, Ira was asked about these writings, and he chalked it up to just that. Just writings. Writings. He no said, truth behind it, just the writing. Here's what he said about it. This is literature. This is destroying the part of her that resides in me. Now listen to me. Listen to me. I understand that. But mine is just writings. I'm not out there committing the crime and then writing about it in my yeah, diary. There's a solid line there. Right? Yeah. Okay, because I have people in my life who have wronged me. Yeah. And who I would love nothing more than to... Removed from the earth. That's illegal. Yeah, you you can't do that. That's, I no. I I've never been in trouble. I'm not going to start out by murdering people. Yeah, no. But I murder them in my writing. That's completely different. That's legal. What he's doing is he's going out trying to murder these people and then writing about it in his diary and still thinking that it's okay. And, it's, and he's it's like, no, it's just literature. Yeah, no, your diary, Nobody. sir. Is not literature. No. Okay. Nobody is out there publishing their diary unless they're Anne Frank. Exactly. Okay. Right. Or Helen Keller. Right. Or somebody like that. Right. 
your your diary by your night bed. Yeah, those that is covered are in your stench. Confessions. Those are confessions. <laughs> those are the confessions of a crazy. No jackass. matter if you put it in song form or poem form, buddy, those are your. Or uh, just a couple words jotted down. Yeah, those are. Oh, what joy! I feel like that's ex- the exact face he would have made. To to beat a woman, oh what joy! As he holds his pipe. <laughs> I don't think he had a pipe. But I could just see him. You could have had a marijuana cigarette. Probably. I feel like that's what hippies do. So in Ira's eyes, it seemed as though violence was only acceptable for one purpose, obviously. When people broke up with him. Then it's no longer a peace love situation. So unfortunately for Holly... In 1972, she and Ira ended up at the same restaurant. Oh. It was called La Terrace Bistro. La Terrace. Was it in Philly? Yes. But they weren't there together. They just happened to be at the same place. No, they just happened to be there at the same place. Listen, I don't have it up right now. Um, One second. Okay, here it is. I'm on Google Translate. So it's La Terrasse. Terrasse. It's it's Terrace in English. Oh. <laughs> I was adding my own. You were adding my own flair at yep. the end there. That was not that was not it. I never said that was good. Um, but it was in, in case you're wondering, it was at three four three two Sansom Street in Philadelphia. Hmm. That means nothing to me. Yeah, me either. I mean I've been to Philly many times, but that that means nothing to me. Yeah. Um, so Ira was sitting at a table, entertaining his supporters, because that's what Ira does, um, and he spotted a beautiful blonde across the restaurant, and he just had to approach her, because he's Stench Ira. Stench and all. Yeah. So I did Google it. Yes, the restaurant is still there. No, it is not open. It's permanently closed, but I think they want to turn it into something else. Mm. So it's still there. You know, just because I'm a crazy stalker like that. I would have done the same thing. Okay. So after meeting at the bistro, um, Holly and Ira um, moved quickly in a relationship. Again, unfortunately for her. Because after what we've just heard about what he did to exes, unfortunately for her. Um... Uh, two weeks after they started dating, Holly moved in with him. Two weeks? Mm-hmm. Wow, that is fast. Yeah. And right away, her thoughts of butterflies and roses turned into frequent breakups and demands from Ira. Almost like instantly. It didn't take long for his true colors to come out. Not at all. So, unfortunately for Holly, um, Ira insisted on having an open relationship with her. Meaning, while they were dating, he can also sleep with other women. Holly told one of her friends that Ira forced her to have sex with other people while he watched. Oh, that's, that's no bueno. And, just as he demanded... 
he followed through. Ira would often go to parties with Holly and leave with someone else. Yep. And Holly just took this? She just... <clears throat> it it kind of seems like... I mean... She didn't have a choice? She was trapped? I, kind of, but she... He's also charming. So, if I'm picturing this correctly, there's a lot of sorries involved. I remember telling my ex that sorry meant nothing anymore. Please stop saying it to me. True. Yeah. Um, so, in one of their get-togethers... Um, Holly took Ira back to Tyler, Texas to meet her family. Oh, geez. Before the trip even began, Holly, um, had a sneaking suspicion that her family would not like him at all. Oh, I wonder what gave her that idea. (laughs) She even went as far as telling her father that. She literally, hey, dad, I'm bringing home Ira to meet y'all. Uh, y'all are going to hate him. I could you imagine if I called my father in North Carolina and said, "Hey, so you know how I come down every year? Yeah, well, I'm gonna bring my new boyfriend James. You know, um, oh, what's he like? Well, you know, he's got some quirks. You're not gonna like him. him. You're not gonna like him at all. But we're also <laughs> gonna be staying with you. So, how does that go? And why would you still, if you had this inkling, why would you?" It's just going to go badly. Why would you even go? Maybe at this point she was scared of him. I don't know. He's demanding a lot of weird things from her. I bet you she just thought, maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe her family thought the same thing. Maybe her dad's like, okay, let's not jump to conclusions. Let us make a choice. So, um, yeah, no, that didn't take long at all for them to be horrified horrified so here's (laughs) picture this okay it's a nice fam you're you're married you have a significant other as well imagine taking in your mom's corgi yes imagine taking matt to meet your mother and y'all sit down to eat and he just starts, like, stuffing his face. Like, just, like an animal. Just. Like he's never eaten before? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who does that? Ira cleared his first plate of food at dinner before other people even got their first plate of food. Oh, no. Okay, that's a lie. While others were still getting their first plate of food, he was getting his second. So. Who does that? That's crazy. And I'm assuming that her family was like, hey, let's all sit down and pray. Yeah, I don't know if they were very religious, Texas. but they were all very conservative. I don't know if they were religious or anything, but they're probably like, hey, family meals, let's all get our plates, you know, and right. then we all... Ch- no, not Ira. 1970s, they were big on family deals. The meals are, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Right. Okay. Well, Ira was not. He was brought up as a different breed, I suppose. Clearly. Um, according to the family, 
while the Maddoxes said grace, Ira sat scratching and clawing. Don't say his private parts. At poison ivy blisters. Ew. <laughs> Dear Heavenly Father. And he's over here. Scratch, 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 scratch. Pick, 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 pick. This man just... So gross. So gross. I I would have kicked him out. I would have been like... Who? Can you not be so disgusting? You're back on a plane to wherever little hole of hell you crawled through. Jeez Louise. Um, so then after the meal, after he was done with the meal, he decided to put his feet up. On the table? Well, not in a recliner. Yep. Right there at the table. <laughs> he plopped his feet on the table. Amanda. Where everybody was eating? <laughs> he just thought this was normal? <laughs> No. No. I don't, I don't know why. Who does that? The unicorn. Oh my god. <laughs> Holly's brother noticed that Ira seemed to control Holly. Almost like it was like a master and a pet. He said like a puppet on strings. He said master and a pet. Oh, that's like <clears throat> just as bad. Her sister Buffy said that Ira was a slob and obnoxious, but he also hit on her. Of course. Romantically, not punching, which also is not all of the realm of possibility, but I, I, yeah, I, 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 that, I didn't, I didn't see it coming, but I should have. Yeah, right? Right. Exactly. Buffy said, um, we concluded that he basically came down there to try and promote a rift between Holly and my father. So Aww. I'm assuming that Holly and her father had a really good relationship and Ira was not having it. I mean, that sounds logical for Something controlling like that, person. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So something in the documentary, the mugshot one, that really stuck for me was a line that Ira's friend, Ted, said. He said, we spent so much time together. I never saw Ira do anything that was violent. The reason this is like a golden quote um, is because it's truer than anything, especially for me. Um, That line, I feel, is used time after time not just about Ira, but like all abusers. Or most. Yeah. A lot of them are doing things behind closed doors. Well, yeah. You know, you don't. Oh, so and so is such a great person. So and so is such a. And then you're like, wait, they were doing what? This was a real life thing for you and I. Yeah. This, this is. Um, yeah. So charming qualities shine bright when they're in public Mm -hmm. look at me look at me yep and then behind closed doors the charm wears off and Mm. other personalities emerge which one is the real real them you know hence why it's 
The unicorn. Amazing that they called him the unicorn. Yeah. Like so fitting. Seriously. Yeah. Um. So. Like I just said, you you know we've been through this. Actually, you and James both witnessed this um, from my ex. Um, James was almost friends with my ex. And while you weren't friends with him until after the breakup, because he charmed you into being on his side, um, it was all later revealed otherwise. Um, But for the most part, the other personality was only reserved for me. Yep. You know? Yep. Well, that was the exact reality for Holly. So, <clears throat> they get back from their trip. They resumed their boomerang relationship. Right. Can we call it anything else? Uh, that's a very fitting term for it. You can picture it, can't you? Yeah, absolutely. Ugh. Have you ever been in one of those? No. A back and forth kind of relationship? No. I don't think I have either. Nope. Definitely not. Not one that's been bad. I know that when I was younger, like boyfriends and I would break up and we'd get back together a couple times. But I was I was younger, so. But nothing like this. Um, so in mid nineteen um seventy seven, <clears throat> they were breaking up and getting back together for five years. So went oh on for gosh. five years. So in mid-1977, they decided to go on vacation to London. Because oh, okay. Texas went so well. <laughs> Let's go across the ocean together. <laughs> Let's show those British people what you're really like. Oh, Let's give Lord. them a really good... Let's give them a really good feeling about us Americans. Let's show them I ride. Horn. Let's not keep any secrets. <laughs> Oh my god, I can just imagine how this is going to go. Um, so it was paid for with money that Holly had saved up. Oh. Yeah, I can't imagine it's cheap. Oh, no. Um, but they were joined there by her sister Buffy. Holly pulled her sister aside and told her she had planned on leaving Ira when they got back to the U.S. I do not understand these kinds of girls. There are tons of them. Lots of murder stories. They're like, hey, we're going to go on one last vacation, but as soon as we get back, I'm breaking up with them. What? Why go? I don't know. What? It was her money. It's not like she was like, he's paying for it. Right. Maybe we'll go. Just go with your sister. I don't. I, okay. Um, unfortunately, Buffy would be the last family member to see Holly alive. <gasps> Holly ended up leaving Ira during the trip and returned to U.S. soil. She rented an apartment in New York City, and in true moving on form, she cut her hair and began fresh. I can so relate to that. I feel like I either dye my hair or cut myself some bangs. When yeah, it, when you need a change. Yeah, I feel like it's just a change that we need. Yeah. Um, so she went into Labor Day weekend with a fresh look and a new man. Named Saul, and I believe his last name is Lepidus. Is he Greek? Sounds I have Greek. no idea. I did not get that far into Saul. I mean, Saul. Maybe, I don't know. Unless he just stepped right out of the Bible. Saul. Um, but at any rate, now she had to put her foot down with Ira. No more boomerangs. Yeah. Um, in true Ira form, 
he was not happy about this. And we know how Ira gets when people tell him no. So on September 9th, 1977, 30-year-old Holly and Saul were boating when she got a call from Ira. Dee, 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 dee. Hey, Holly. Yeah, I know we're broken up. I've got a couple things here of yours that I'm going to need you to come get. I'm sorry. Did red flags just not pop up in your mind? Huge. <sighs> oh, huge red flags. Um, he uh, not only demanded that she come get them. Demanded. Because that's what Ira does. He also told her that if he does not see her come get them, then he's just going to put them all out on the street. So if she doesn't come get them, then I'm putting them in the middle of the street. I would have just said put them in the street then. Put them in the street, burn them, I don't care, I'm not coming back. Um, she did, clearly didn't She did that. not want to go. She was not ready to leave Saul and just go do this. Um, did he mean to do it right then? Probably. He's Ira. So she didn't want to go back for a few reasons. She didn't want to get into an argument with him. She also did not want to get strung into dating him again. Which seems like a pattern for them. Yeah. Either one of those Fairly. are a possibility. Five years. Yeah. So she called a whole bunch of people to see if they could go get the things for her. Nobody. Nobody her. was available. Again. Why didn't Saul just go with her? I know there was a reason and he didn't want her to go, but they were out boating and whatnot. I do believe Saul said, hey, we'll go some other time or when you can not go alone or somebody can go for you. And she was like, no, 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 no. I'll go do it now. It's just, I'll do it quick. And then, then you don't have to worry about it ever again. That's right. And then she was thinking. Yeah. Um, so that's exactly what she did. She insisted she would be back quickly. Go gather her things. She'd be back. back. Yeah, she was never seen again. So <clears throat> later on, uh, they found Holly's diary in her apartment. Here's a few excerpts of her writings. Ooh. Hitting people is never a sign of love. He follows me, won't let me go, yanks me back. Frustrated because he has the power struggle. He carries me into the bedroom, wrestles me to the floor. It is violent. Horrible scene. End quote. Five years she was with him. Five years. Yeah. It's it's terrifying. I could not find, like, aside from what was in the mugshots thing, I tried to pause the screen and try to get more from right, it. Right, right. But what I did see was frightening. It was frightening. And, and I could not find them anywhere. But just that alone is terrifying. So clearly her abuse was that of just scum of the earth evil human person not even a person like Ugh. he portrayed himself as a symbol of love and harmony and you know non-violence now remember that what she wrote correlates completely with, with what he's writing yeah. Right? About yeah. other girls? Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. It's a hand in hand. So, weeks went by. Weeks went by. 
without anyone hearing from Holly. Um, one of her friends, uh, or a few of her friends and family had started calling Ira to know her whereabouts. Like, hey, we haven't seen Holly in a couple of weeks. Have you seen her? Einhorn told them all the same story. He said, no, she had been with me in September. But one day she gone out to buy some groceries and just never came back. And he didn't think that this was odd or strange or maybe he should have called her family to like try to look for her. Come on now, Who buddy. goes out to buy groceries and, and then never comes back? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> nice she's try, like, buddy. he's like, she took the fixins for the meatballs and just left. <laughs> what? what? He's like, she went to buy an apple. She's just gone. I don't know what happened. It's just the damnedest thing. We were now sitting there mentioning it. She never came home from getting groceries back in he's December. Like, he's like, well, hot damn. You know, I haven't seen her either when she went to go get a couple bananas to make some banana bread. I was wondering why I never got the banana bread. <laughs> well, hot damn, the baker's gone. <laughs> I know why. He couldn't come up with anything better. She went she went to the grocery store. Never came back. Yeah, that's never came back. They didn't believe her. They didn't believe him. I got How could anybody believe him? Because he's a charmer. Um a couple of days later, he adds on. Oh, he adds, okay. A couple of days later, she had called me. And told me she was all right. But I shouldn't try to find her. <laughs> but she oh went out God. to buy groceries. Said, hey, I'm going to buy groceries. I'll be back. Just getting groceries. Then, I'll be back. And then days later, nobody on the bread. And she just calls up out of nowhere. Hey, yeah, so I know I was supposed to make you banana bread. Turns out. I gave it to somebody else. And you shouldn't try to find me. And you should not try to find me because I'm not coming back. No more banana bread for you. And he was just okay with that. So now we're into... It had been months since anybody heard from Holly. Um, now, granted, she had gone weeks before without reaching out to her family and whatnot. So Okay, but I feel like they would have been reaching out to her. Months was out of character for her. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, her family was the one who alerted authorities from Texas. They lived in Texas. They called authorities in Texas. Texas called Philadelphia, um, who did go out and do a house call just to check, but they found nothing that gave them cause or pause to look further into it. Um, the Maddoxes did not accept that. Well, good. You know, like, oh, well, we can't find your daughter. Everything looks fine. I don't know what to tell you. Oh, well, great. Maybe she's still at the grocery store months later then. Maybe she's stuck in aisle seven. I, come on. She's waiting for bananas to grow by the seed. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, come I on. So they turned away from the police and they hired Bob Evans, a retired FBI man working as a private detective in Tyler. Bob Evans, like the restaurant. Did I say Bob Evans? You did. <laughs> I don't. I've never even ate there in my life. Ian, I've never done that there ever. 
it's Bob Stevens. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Bob. <laughs> Bob Stevens, okay, okay. Okay. Um, so he brought in other de- detectives to help. Uh, what came out of the investigation seemed straight to be out of a horror movie. Oh, my God. 18 months after Holly was last seen in the fall of 1977, a student living below Ira recalled a particular night. A night that consisted of a blood-curdling scream, along with heavy banging. However, the reason this person didn't say anything before is because it wasn't really cause for concern at the time for the neighborhood. Okay. Because there were frat houses and partygoers on that neighborhood. So you hear some screaming, you hear some banging. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It could just be a good time. It's just, yeah. Right, okay. So what the neighbor could not dismiss, though, with frat parties and all that kind of thing, was an odor that has been permeating the building like a dead body odor. That's what I... Also hard to forget was the foul dark brown liquid that trickled down through the ceiling from Einhorn's apartment. <gasps> That's the blood. After being unable to clean the gunk off of the ceiling, they tried to clean it themselves. Uh, they called the landlord, um, who called plumbers. Um, Ira flat out refused to let Anybody in. Plumbers into a certain padlocked closet. Hmm. Which I'm assuming is where there were pipes that needed to be plumbed. (laughs) Is that right? I love it. I love everything about that. (laughs) Your pipes need plumbed. plumbed. My pipes need to be plumbed. (laughs) I have pipes. That I would like plumbed plumbed action for. (laughs) It's not getting any better. That's not getting any better. Okay. So, Bob Stevens, not Evans, turned everything that he found over to the police on March 28th, 1979. Michael Chitwood, Philadelphia's former detective, Showed up with a warrant at 9 a.m. to 3411 Race Street, where Ira Einhorn resided. When Ira answered the door, he was wearing nothing but an open robe. Who opens the door with their (laughs) hoo-ha hanging out? He had pipes that needed to be plumbed. I don't know. But, I mean, who... Does he know who's at the door? No! Did they go, excuse me, detective, police department, and he was like, eh, this'll work. I've got no clothes on. Let me put on a robe and not close it. Why wear the robe? I don't go in your birthday suit. (laughs) Why not? Showing it off anyway. So... Upon inspection of the house, they found a door on the porch with a padlock. Oh, God. 
Please tell me they took the padlock off and opened this When door. asked for a key. He refused, didn't he? Ira replied there was no key. The detective said he would have to break it. Ira said, quote, do what you got to do. I'm sorry if you guys can hear that. My cat just found something to play with, and I have no idea what he's doing. Running down the hallway with us. So do they, do they get in? Do what you got to do. <clears throat> yeah, of course. Inside was a closet of various boxes. Okay. But a suitcase caught the eye of a detective. The green suitcase had a tag with Holly's name on it. Because we don't get rid of things. <laughs> so he pulled everything out of the closet. The last item in there was a steamer trunk. What's a steamer trunk? Okay, I'm so glad that you said something because I didn't know either. Google it. Bring it up on your phone. Steamer trunk? Do you cook shellfish in this thing? No. It's literally just a trunk. You're going to go, oh, I didn't know it was called that because I sure as heck didn't. I didn't know it was called that. Oh, my my brothers had one of these. It was blue. Doesn't it? Just And look. they kept their baseball cards in You've it. You've seen the movie Titanic? Yes. That's what they were putting on the Titanic. All those trunks of things that yeah. the rich people. Yeah. Yeah. Those okay. kinds of things. Yeah. I just thought it was a trunk. I just I, thought it was a trunk. Yeah. I think it's it's called a steamer trunk, I think, because they put it onto the steamer ships. Don't quote me on that. Okay. But, yeah. Okay. But steamer trunk. There was an odor coming from this steamer trunk, though. The trunk was adorned with a lock. Ira has no lock for this trunk, does he? No, there is a lock. But does he have a key? There you go. When asked for a key... Do what you gotta do. Ira said there was no key. Imagine he just that. loses all the keys. I don't know how he ever gets into his own house. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he leaves that door unlocked all the time because he doesn't know where keys are. Keys? What are keys? You have to have keys? keys? What? I just thought these were magical locks, or they were just there to look good. Um, so, Iris said there's no key. The detective just said, okay, fine, removed the lock with a crowbar. Inside the trunk, all right, you saw the trunk? You saw a trunk? Yes. The first sight was tons of newspapers. All over the top. Uh... Detective Chitwood then noticed the trunk was layered with styrofoam. Quote, he said, I proceeded to move everything to the left, and the first thing that I noticed was a hand. And the hand was mummified. The hand looked as though somebody, or Holly, had tried to push the trunk open. Oh, my goodness. When he found this, he said to Einhorn, looks like we found Holly. Ira replied, you found what you found. What? He was big on one-liners this day. Picture him standing there, big, smelly man with open robe. You found what you found. It's almost like he just didn't even care. Like, okay, cool. She's there. 
it was very hard for people to fathom that Holly had been stuffed into a trunk like a doll and stored away. The district attorney at the time, Lynn Abraham, said, just to throw you in a trunk for your grave, lie there and rot in your killer's apartment, that is really too much for people to comprehend. I mean, I can't comprehend that for the life of me, but that's exactly what Holly went through. It was later reported, after an autopsy, that Holly had died as a result of strangling at least six blows to the head. (laughs) Bless you. Thank you. I'm not editing that out. Oh, that's okay. Okay. Um... Six blows to the head. He delivered such force that fragments of her skull had penetrated her brain. Did they ever discover or find out what he hit her with? Um, I'm not exactly sure. I don't think so. I can't remember right offhand right now, but I do not believe so. Oh my God. Um... Chitwood said that when Ira was arrested, he seemed unfazed by it. Very cool, very calm, very collected. Just very... That's not natural. Eh. From jail, Ira called his child... Or, Ira called his childhood friend, Stuart Samuels. Um, and Stuart was taken aback by Ira's demeanor. Uh, he said that Ira just acted like nothing's going on. It's just another day. Does Ira ever admit to what he's done? <sighs> mm. Not really. I think this is a really good case for allegedly's opener. Because, you know, allegedly he did it. He did it, but he does not seem to think so. Um, so he actually, he called his friend and started talking about Einstein as well as the movie or discussion they had been having the last time they spoke. Calls from jail and was like, hey, you know, Einstein's a cool man. Who does that? Ira. (laughs) Ira. Oh my gosh. So I searched high and low for an obituary for Holly. Um, or any information as to what her funeral was like. Um, all I know is her, her funeral was held on April 2nd, 1979. Unfortunately, the Google search for these things brought up more information about Ira rather than Holly. That's terrible. I hate every bit of that. Um, it's saddening. Yeah. I I was extremely happy when I found a page for her on Find a Grave. Yeah. Uh, so I brought that up. Um, and other than stating that she was buried in the cathedral in the Pine Cemetery in Tyler, Texas, to my dismay yet again, it yielded not a lot of information. Um, and what it did give me was once again bringing up Ira as the focus. Um, 
Holly's bio on Find a Grave said, murder victim. She was the ex-girlfriend of a self-styled Philadelphia guru, Ira Einhorn, a.k.a. the Unicorn Killer, with whom she had a stormy five-year relationship, end quote. That's it. That's all I said about her. There's a picture of her from when she was younger, and that's it. Um, and that, that saddens me. So, the day after her funeral, on April 3rd, Ira's bail hearing was held in front of Judge W.M. Marutani? I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know. I'm not even going to try that again. Um, for the hearing, Ira was represented by Arlen Specter. Does that sound familiar to you? Yes. Okay. So, he was a prominent figure in the legal field, as well as state senator. So, Specter worked for Lyndon Johnson's Warren Commission, which investigated the assassination of JFK. Specter lined up a like slew of people to come speak praise about Ira Einhorn. A slew, a slew of people. Imagine like the village people. You know who I'm talking about? YMCA. They sang YMCA, right? Am I crazy? For some reason, that just was in my head and yeah, I wasn't sure. So imagine the village people coming up to just sing his praises. Because he brought a lawyer, a priest, a reverend, and the vice president from Bell Telephone to testify. <laughs> now, in, in his defense, Ira sort of kind of worked for Bell Telephone at the time. It was something weird, like, he didn't actually, like, work for them. Some, something about, you know, being the middleman kind of thing. Okay. That kind of stuff again. I didn't put it in here because it's just stupid. He didn't actually work there. After, after being one of the people to be blown away by the news of Holly's body being found in Ira's apartment... Ted Fink, Ira's friend, mm-hmm. uh, his first response was to hear Ira out. Like, if, if okay. I murdered somebody, right, you right. would be like, whoa, let's hear what Ashley has to say. Yeah. Let him explain. Let him defend himself. Um, he even testify, testified on Ira's behalf. He was in favor of having bail set because he didn't see Ira as a flight risk. He's like, yeah. it's Ira. I know Ira. He's a good dude. He's yeah. not going to, like, run away. Which is literally what he said. He wouldn't run away. Einhorn consistently maintained complete innocence. I did not do this. It was not me. Dude, she was found in your apartment. I don't know. I don't know how people try to think that that's going to work. He knew nothing about the body in the trunk. Oh, there was a body in the trunk? I bought that from... Lucifer down the street. There's a body in the trunk? And it just happened to be your ex-girlfriend? I thought I smelled something. I thought that was a skunk. Idiot. Howie? Howie? Yeah. Nice crazy. Try. Crazy. Um, he expressed doubts that it was even Holly. He was like, I don't think that's her. I'm still waiting on my banana bread. Yeah. <laughs> 
I know that sh- that she's still in aisle seven. <laughs> no, he suggested that the whole affair was a conspiracy by the CIA. Of course, he said that designed to interfere with important work he was currently engaged in. Please tell me nobody bought this load of crap. <laughs> the judge said they all at forty thousand dollars. What? The judge set bail at $40,000. No, no, I heard you. Yeah. Ira was then freed on that bail after a wealthy friend posted it for him. Because we all have those friends. He did, remember? Yeah, he, yep. The process of preparing for trial was lengthy. Uh, The trial date of February... Or March 1981 was set. Um, Barbara Christie was assigned to lead the prosecution. Prosecution. Norris E. Gelman had taken over Einhorn's defense. Spectre withdrew because um, he had things to do with the U.S. Senate um, campaign for election. Um, needless to say, the trial did not take place. Not at all? No. So what happened? Oh, the unicorn fled. Imagine that. <laughs> he hopped his butt on a plane and got the hell out of here. Where did he go? Or do we not know? Um. So he got on a plane and left in January-ish, January-ish, 1981. Uh, they put a bench warrant out for his arrest um, on January 14th. When he failed to appear for the pretrial hearing, uh, they searched for him for the next 20 years. 20 years? <laughs> yeah. 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 That's not funny. Sure did. 20 years? Yeah. <gasps> oh my God. I, I know. thought you were going to be like two years, 15 months. 20 years? 20 years. Uh, Rich D. Benedito. He was in the <laughs> extraditions office in Philadelphia. He he was the one that like headed this whole thing looking for Ira. He was the one that was like, gotta find Ira. This was his task. Um, Ira was living in random places under assumed names, of course. He can't be walking around town going, I'm Ira Einhorn. <laughs> They'll be like, that sounds familiar. I think you know. Or Are you man. a unicorn? Because <laughs> that sounds very familiar. Um, so he was located in Ireland oh. in late 1981, and then again in 1984, and in 1986. But the fact that Ireland didn't have any extradition treaty with the U.S. at the time prevented his arrest. They could keep him. Found him. Can't get him. Three times. Three different years. Um, so he fled again. Which I don't understand. If you weren't going to... Why wouldn't you just If they can't stay, arrest you, I would have Why would you move? Put your robe on and show them your... <laughs> spankies. Like, why not do a little dance, make a little noise, shake around your plumbing? I don't know. I don't, wh- why would you go? I don't understand. 
Unless he I knew. I feel like he wanted to get caught. I, I feel like maybe. Maybe um, I think he was just having fun. I think he, yeah, he just. I think he was, was just having fun. Yeah, I yeah. Um. So he escaped arrest in Stockholm, Sweden, and then disappeared again. But not before getting married to a Swedish woman named Annika Floden, who he met in 1987. He didn't kill her too, did he? I do not believe so. I never found anything about that. I do not believe so at all. Um, so, I don't know a lot about Annika, but... Um, so, back in the U.S., everyone was getting super aggravated. I mean, but it's like... Found him, can't get him. Found him, can't get him. Found him, can't get him. And you know, where is he? We know Ireland. We can't bring him here. Ireland, Sweden. I don't know. Um, so they decided uh, that they could not get a trial or a possible conviction and just have it just sit here. They couldn't let it go on for that long. Um, continuing forward without Ira in custody. And without a trial meant that if their efforts ever worked out to get him arrested and bring him back, um, there was an issue. So much passing time um, would mean that the evidence could be weaker. Yep. That means that like the prosecution had an overwhelming case for conviction, but witnesses could die or just yeah. memories could become less reliable. So finally, in 1993, Philadelphia's district attorney decided that it was best to try to just have a trial without him. Oh. Which I did not know was a thing. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. <clears throat> so, the reason I probably have never heard about this is because it's super rare. And... It's controversial. So, in America, people have a right to a fair trial. That means that they have a right to testify in their own defense, confront the accusers, consult with their counsel. Right, and how would you do that if he's not present? Exactly. That's why it's rare. Um, so, I think that the risk of someone like Einhorn was taking this all on his own. Do you know what I mean? So, like, when he fled before the trial, this could have been a possibility. Like, you don't flee and just go, oh, it's all over, nothing's going to happen. You don't flee before a trial. Rare or not, they can do this. This wasn't just something they just made up one day. This has always been a thing. They could huh. always do this. So, so why did they wait 20 years to do it? Because I guess they were really hoping to just get him. Um, but also because, I mean, if you try him and he's not there and he's found not guilty because you're going before a jury and they find him not guilty, what if they capture him? And then now he can come back. He can never be tried for it again. It's double jeopardy. Also true. Yeah, good point. Good point. Good point. So, that being said, right. you got to be super careful. Yeah. So, after some back and forth, 
Pennsylvania Supreme Court allowed the motion to proceed. So they're going to try him without him. Uh, Assistant District Attorney Joel Rosen led the prosecution. Norris Gelman continued to represent Einhorn, who was not there. Um, but only because he had been instructed to. Uh, by common pleas judge in 1992 said, hey, just, you're still representing him whether he's here or not. Um, he was still being paid by um, a legal defense fund, which was set up by Ira's friends. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> of course it was. If, you know, probably the same friends who were like, Ira didn't do this. He's not going to flee. He's not going to run. We also bought his plane ticket, but you know. <laughs> so now there's a new trial. The one without him. Um, and this is going before Judge Juanita Kid Stout um, in September of 1983. The trial went on as scheduled. And anyone, had anyone not known that Ira wasn't there, it would have seemed like a normal trial. Oh, okay. Friends of Holly's testified to knowing that she intended to leave him. A uh, former friend of Ira, Joyce Costello, testified that in mid-September, she had helped him move the trunk in which the body was found. Oh, my God. And that he had told her that it contained Russian documents. Of course it did. <laughs> because what else would be in there? Um, Saul, remember him? Yeah. He testified that he had put Holly on a plane to Philadelphia on September 10th, 1977, because she needed to calm Ira down. So, remember remember that they were, I think... They were boating. They were something. boating. And I think they were, she had an apartment in your city, so I think it was somewhere around there. And he just put her on a plane, because can't drive that far, because... Yeah. We've got to calm him down now. For the defense, Gelman was only able to produce some witnesses, some witnesses, just some of them. Um, who had been interviewed by private investigators searching for Holly Maddox, who said that they had seen a woman who resembled her some months after the alleged killing took place. So they're like, oh, we saw a girl. Looks like her. You said she was what? Blonde? Yeah, I saw a blonde. Sure. She can't be dead. I saw a blonde. Oh, my God. <clears throat> On September 30th, this trial, or the jury... Returned with a verdict of guilty. Thank the Lord. And Einhorn was sentenced to life in prison. Gelman appealed on behalf of Ira, who's still not there. He's just out in the middle of nowhere. Um, but ultimately, the Supreme Court in Pennsylvania just held, they upheld the trial and the verdict. And they're like, no, this is stupid. Um, so the search for Ira still being headed by the same guy, uh, continued. And then he was found in June of 1997, living in France under the name Eugene Mallon with his wife. And he was arrested. However. Oh my. <laughs> A French court turned down the request for extradition. They why? Did they say why? Yeah. On the grounds that a new trial had to be set. 
Why? Because having a trial without him violates the European Convention on Human Rights. Okay, but this crime was committed on U.S. soil. Right. But they're not going to send him back. They don't believe in that. So we're not sending him back. But he's American. Oh, I don't understand. So essentially, this means that France was not recognizing what Pennsylvania said. At all. And they had some demands before they just gave him up. All right. In February of 1999, yeah, two years later, after they already found him, two years pass, um, and France stated that only under two conditions would they release him to the United States. One, he must have a new trial with a right to appeal, which literally has already happened. And it was But he's got to be there. So they're like, he has to have a whole new trial. You got to do this all again. He cannot be sentenced to death. Which he wasn't the first time. No, he was sentenced to life in prison. Right. But now he definitely cannot be sentenced to death. So. <clears throat> and do we agree to this? Um, well, Einhorn's attorney appealed the ruling. Why? Well, because I don't know. Do you think that he would be in favor of it? These people. I'm okay, buddy. Um, It was upheld by the French Prime Minister, though. So, Einhorn was released um, some months after being in French custody, but because he had entered the country illegally, he was required to report weekly to the police. So he's still just in France, being doing his thing, right? Just doing whatever. The Pennsylvania Assembly responded to this obstacle by passing a law granting Einhorn a new trial. So they're like, fine, give, let's give him another trial. In July 1999, a jury in a civic court in Philadelphia awarded $907 million in wrongful damages, death damages to Holly's family. This money would go to the siblings of Holly since, unfortunately, her parents had died many years earlier. In 1988, her father, Fred, killed himself after dealing with an illness. And in 1990, Elizabeth, her mother, died of emphysema. So they never even got to see... Justice be served. Correct. Which is... Unfreaking fortunate. Parents should not have to bury their own children. And if they are murdered children, I don't know what I would do if I died before knowing yeah, agree. the outcome of any of it. Um, so in July 2001, Einhorn's still in France. <laughs> they found him in 97. He's still there in 2001. Um, a week before he was set to be extradited back to American soil, he invited a television crew inside his house. Of course he did. Come, come. Come hither. Come Come. on. Come see. Come see what I have to tell you. Guess what he had to tell them? He had to show them of his suicide attempt. I thought you were going to say I was hoo-ha. No. He tried to kill himself. 
For the news crews. He, I believe he did it right before they got there. He, so that whenever they... Oh. And then he he was like, oh, come see me. Look, I've tried to kill myself. This I have seen. I've seen the news thing. This was... This was freaking nuts. I watched it. If you want to watch something later, watch it. Um, I'm not going to lie. This was made for television. Okay? If anything, it was just made for television. He conjured up a suicide attempt because he was angry about having to go back to U.S. He wanted to stay in France where he could just live his free life with his wife. Um, he knew that even with a new trial, he'd be found guilty, sentenced to life in prison again. Uh. This whole thing was a show. The, the suicide attempt, the bringing in the news people, it, all a show. It was insane. Um, so, do you want to know how he tried to kill himself? He slit his throat. <clears throat> he literally slit his throat. He slit his throat, called the news crews. <laughs> slit his throat and called them to come interview him at his house. And I kid you not, he sat there at his table. Bleeding? Yeah. Oh my God. With a gaping wound on his neck. Nobody thought, man, we should probably call 911 or... Like, I know he wasn't they... actually trying to kill himself. Obviously. This was all a show. This was like a gaping... It was a disgusting looking wound. But it was a show. Um... It was definitely slit. It was not just a little nick on the neck. It was a slit throat. Not enough to incapacitate him. He could talk. Not enough to kill him. Um, so he sat there pointing at the wound on his neck and blaming it on France's prime minister at the time. I have no words for this. Because he's the man who ordered the extradition. So it was just something to be like, hey, I'm going to slit my throat, going to blame it on you because you're the one sending me back to them who are trying to burn me at the stake for something I did not do. Oh, my God. It was really him just going, look at me. Look at me. Yeah, exactly. Everybody, look at me. I did not do this. And, I mean, really... That just proved how big of a narcissist he is. Absolutely. So. He created this. That's what he said while pointing to the wound on his neck. He was 61 years old at that time. Still as crazy as Yelling well. about the prime minister of France creating the situation on his neck. <laughs> he did this to me. Oh my God. He had blood dripping onto his shirt. And he's going, he is responsible. He is sending me back to America where I will stay for the rest of my life in prison without mercy. Dude, you killed somebody. Are you kidding me? You stuffed a human in a trunk. Dude, you deserve that. And we know what your diary said about your past relationships. Cuckoo, cuckoo. So they took Ira to the hospital. Um, and the justice ministry said that it would delay extradition again, but only for a week. 
So until July 19th. So finally, on July 20th, 2001, he was extradited to the U.S. to face a new trial. After the 20-year search, Philadelphia District Attorney Lynn Abraham said that his extradition from France was one small step for Holly Maddox, one giant leap for law enforcement. This is the beginning of the process, which will vindicate Holly and every other victim out there. During the trial, Einhorn decided to take a show again. What did he do this time? Um, well, he uh, des- decided to take the stand. Oh, God. Um, to defend himself. Which apparently is an uncommon occurrence for murder defendants. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, which I feel like is weird because if they're such narcissists, you'd think they'd want the show. I rush certainly did. So let's remember, he always wanted to be the center of attention. Mm-hmm. And he's never put himself aside, even though the story should be about Holly. The girl who he savagely killed beat to death, right? And shoved into a trunk. Um, but what he had to say about it oh my God. was even more disgusting. He sat there claiming that when police found Holly's remains in the steamer trunk that was his, in his apartment, it, quote unquote, ripped me to pieces. What does that mean? He was distraught about it. He didn't seem distraught. He said... I went somewhere to cry. I was really upset. I couldn't believe that was Holly in my trunk. It was an impossible situation. I broke up for days. It ripped me to pieces. No. I don't buy that. I, you know, but this is the same guy that's like, that's not Holly. So how do you go from saying that's not Holly to going, it it ripped me to pieces? Right. Yeah, no. No. So when all was said and done, he's 62 now, showed no emotion when the first degree murder verdict was read. He just, eh, eh. Um, It did bring an automatic sentence of life without parole. Good. Thank God. Um, And it did, of course, bring smiles to the family of Holly. Good. Um, Ira was then sent to the State Correctional Laurel Highlands in Somerset, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. He spent 18 years there. Oh, he's dead now. On April 3rd, 2020, at the age of 79, he was found dead in his cell. Later, Wally Miller, the Somerset County coroner, said that he had died from a longstanding cardiac problem unrelated to that of the coronavirus pandemic. And that is the story of Ira Ira Einhorn. Oh my God. I, I mean, I don't know about you, but, um, so let me show you this quick. I don't know if you can see this. Oh, yeah, I saw that when I Googled him. 
Yeah, so there's Sir Ira, and that's him when he was arrested. Which looks like, almost like two different people aside from his eyes. Um, But how much did you see? Did you see this beautiful girl? Yes. She's gorgeous. Isn't she so pretty? And then, I know you saw this one. But let me show you this last photo, which we'll be posting all of these. Is that the steamer trunk? That is literally the men taking the steamer trunk with Holly's body in it out of his place. That's so gross. All of um, these four photos will be posted to our Instagram um, that you guys will be able to browse... Um, unfortunately, if you want to see what these ass hats look like, um, our Instagram is allegedly TCP. Um, you can find us there and you can email us at allegedly true crime at yahoo.com. Um, but other than that, we're gonna, I don't know who we're doing next week. That's Amanda's. Mm -hmm. I've been very good I've been very good in not trying to google anything I did not google anything I can't even remember are you sure no I am dead positive which is super hard for me I was going to say I can't even remember the name of who you're doing even though it's on our cases to cover list I have not gone in to like re-look up the I'm already trying to work on my next one I don't have time to look up yours too (laughs) my gosh that's So, I hope you guys enjoyed our first episode. I know that Amanda and I enjoyed doing it. It's fun. It is fun. So, I uh, look forward to sitting down and doing this next week and seeing what Amanda brings to the table. Um, It's very nerve-wracking. I know. You've had. We'll talk more about it when you start. I look forward to not knowing anything about it, though. (laughs) Were you surprised by Ira? Yes. And I think his friend had it right. He was set up to be this wonderful, make such big strides in life, and he just, and just ruined it effed all. it all up. Yeah. Yeah, I think he could have done something great with his life. And then he effed it all up. His problem was women and which, wanting to control them. Which, I don't understand how, where does that come from? I don't know. You would think in a Jewish family they wouldn't. Right? <laughs> like, I just think he thought he was all that. I would a bag of chips. Yeah. I think that's what it comes down to. His it, ego. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it is what it is. All right, guys. Have a great rest of your day or night whenever you're listening to this. But um, we hope that you guys join us again. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.